Hello, I'm Dr. Saffron Hamayeen. I'm an ST6 in Child and Adolescent Psychiatry, and I'm here to talk to Dr. Kate Lovett, um, who's the Dean of the Royal College of Psychiatrists, and that's about how we as trainees can build a fulfilling career in psychiatry. So I'm really passionate about psychiatry, and I want to encourage more medical trainees to take up psychiatry as their specialty. I am one of the co-founders of PsychArt, a conference-based recruitment initiative celebrating the links between medicine, arts and creativity and how this is particularly relevant in psychiatry and I'll be talking about this a little bit more later. But continuing on the theme of recruitment, um, I understand Kate that we need to recruit 570 consultant psychiatrists to the profession over the next three years and taking around 13 years to train, this is clearly a big, big challenge. So what are the next steps for the profession as the government pledges to transform mental health services over the next few years? Great, thanks Saffron, really pleased to uh, be with you and invited to uh, do this this afternoon. Um, I think the first thing to say is that yes, this is a big challenge, but it's also a huge opportunity. So in England, uh, the government have committed to uh, uh, spend £1 billion in transforming mental health services uh, with a pledge to treat an extra million patients by 2020-21 um, uh, in order to provide services seven days a week, 24 hours a day and to integrate physical and mental uh, health services for the first time ever. So there are huge opportunities for us as psychiatrists to get involved. But I think it's also important to say equally that uh, the Scottish Government, uh, the Government in Northern Ireland and Wales are, are, are equally committed uh, to uh, reforming and transforming mental health uh, services. So it's not just an English uh, phenomena. Uh, we know that all the fantastic publicity that we've had uh, recently from celebrities, uh, from the royal family, uh, from society at large in uh, smashing uh, taboos and stigma around mental health have made a significant uh, impact and now our politicians are not only talking about mental health but they're actually uh, committing uh, resources uh, and directing policies to uh, reform. So great opportunity, 570 needed just to fulfil the uh, transformation programme in England. That's not taking into account some of the gaps we already have. So yes, it's a big, uh, a big task ahead of us. And we need to think about the long term. Um, so clearly, we can't just magic up psychiatrists out of thin air over a five-year uh, period. It does, as you say, it takes 13 years uh, to train. So we've got strategies uh, to make sure that the, the, the training pipeline for the future is secure. So, <clears throat> so it sounds difficult, but there's um, a lot of hope on the horizon. That's great to hear. Um, so just for those who might be listening to this podcast and wondering about their next steps, what are the quality of placements like in psychiatry and how can a student get the best out of their time? So like all um, training programmes, um, quality it depends how you um, define quality, doesn't it? And that will vary um, in whatever specialty you do. There are very um, strong mechanisms in place for uh, trying to make sure that quality is consistent throughout the country. Um, I think the unique thing about psychiatry, where it differs from other medical specialty, is our supervisory arrangements. So 
supervision, psychiatric supervision has always been enshrined in our curriculum. It has to happen. So if there are any trainees listening in today who are saying, well, actually, you know, that, that's not quite what, what I'm, I'm getting in my um, post at the moment, um, get in touch or, or get in touch with your local training program director because every single trainee has to have a whole hour face-to-face -face with their consultant that's protected from uh, clinical activity every uh, week. And it's key in uh, developing as a psychiatrist, being able to uh, develop appropriate therapeutic boundaries with um, uh, patients and being able to process a lot of the, the, the what can be quite challenging for people starting off the dynamic aspects of the uh, uh, consultation. Um, but I think that is where we, um, you know, we haven't really sung too loud about that in the past and 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 you know when i speak to, to trainees in other specialties they quite often don't see their consultants very much with shift patterns and so on uh, and i think that is something uh, that we do very well in psychiatry mm -hmm. i know that speaking from my own experience it's something i've really valued having that protected time of an hour and a week really just to think through the issues that are coming up so um and also for my training i've just had such a breadth of placements i've been able to be with um, children at one end of the age spectrum, um, older adults, treating things like dementia, on male and female, inpatient wards. Um, also, I did a placement in psychotherapy for six months. Um, so I've had a great time during my training. Um, so a little bit more about the supervision and support. Um, the responsibility of treating someone mental health can affect our own stress levels. And, and what do you do about um, avoiding stress or burnout in the specialty? Well, I think the thing to say is that you can't avoid stress in life. It's just part of uh, it's part of life. But recognizing it, um, being reflective about it, and thinking about what changes maybe need to take place um, to help you uh, manage it. As I said, you know we're very lucky in psychiatry. Lucky is maybe the wrong word because it's necessary, I think, um, uh, to have uh, supervision. Um, uh, so that's an opportunity for a safe sort of reflective um, space. Um, I think one of the other advantages that we have in psychiatry is that we learn all about uh, stress as part of the training. Um, it's in the curriculum. We understand the, uh, the physiological mechanisms of it. We, we talk about it uh, and so on. So I think that um, I certainly have had the experience of um, getting to know myself extremely well throughout both my training and also my career. Um, uh, and, you know, stress is there, it's inevitable. Um, but thinking about our own well-being, that's important. Um, making sure that we have um, time off, that we uh, come to work refreshed, well-rested, that we're able to connect within our own communities, that we're able to carve out time to have physical exercise, to notice the world uh, around us and to keep on uh, learning uh, new things and to be able to give to others and, and, and just you know, following the sort of five ways to well-being that uh, we're promoting uh, for everybody. You know, at the end of the day, psychiatrists are human beings. Um, just like all doctors are human beings but I think in the past we've maybe uh, forgotten that and felt somehow that we are different uh, from the next person we're basically you know just as threadbare souls as uh, everybody uh, else so being self-reflective is important 
But the other thing I think we need to be uh, very clear about is that sometimes there are things in our environment that cause us stress, that cause us uh, unhappiness. That can quite often be when there is a conflict of values. Uh, when I think about my own career and stress within that, it's very seldom been patients that have caused me stress. That's the pleasurable, enjoyable and fun bit of the job. Um, but it's usually when my own values have, have come into conflict with um, things that might be going on in the uh, organisation or within the wider healthcare structures. And that's what causes me stress and has caused me to stay awake at night. Uh, it's listening uh, to those cues uh, if you're not sleeping very well and you're worrying about stuff and thinking, what do I need to do to change this, to fix it? And having the courage often to dig deep to find uh, the confidence to, to stand up when things aren't going well. Mm -hmm. And sort of continuing along with that of fatigue and not sleeping as well as well-being. I know there have been concerns in the media recently um, about trainees being very tired after night shifts and driving in unsafe conditions. And I know that the Royal College of Psychiatrists has been um, particularly concerned about this and they've done a report called Staying Safe um, and trying to address this particularly amongst psychiatry trainees. So can I ask you what is being done to look after the safety and well-being of psychiatry trainees in relation to shift work? Thank you. So this started off uh, last year. We, we are very privileged within the Royal College of Psychiatrists to have uh, a psychiatric trainees commi committee which has existed for several decades now and is very embedded in all the work of the college. So we have a training on every single committee within the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Uh, and the Dean works very uh, closely with the, with, the, with the Chair and we're very grateful for the support that our trainees um, uh, give us. Um, and last year our Psychiatric Trainees Committee um, produced a report called Supported and Valued, which was the start of a much uh, longer term uh, commitment by the College uh, to ensure that our trainees are supported and valued. Um, and that made several recommendations uh, about uh, training well-being and support during um, training. And although, you know, we are a charity, we, we don't get involved in terms and conditions, we're not a trade union, uh, and there are other organisations that fill that space, we're certainly allowed to comment uh, where uh, educational experiences are compromised. Um, because of, uh, uh, you know, working uh, conditions and so on. So one of the things that was highlighted in Supported and Value was the support that trainees had out of hours. And we were concerned to learn that in uh, some organisations there were no opportunities, for example, for trainees to make hot drinks, have somewhere to have a rest, uh, and so on. So this... Um, new document which we are about to launch um, in uh, June, we're very excited about, um, drills more deeply down into the issue specifically of driving. One of the great things about psychiatry rotations is that there's huge variety. Uh, you're not just stuck in one hospital. Uh, you uh, rotate through different sites. Often those are uh, in the community and so on. But the downside of that can mean that for some trainees uh, that involves uh, driving between different sites overnight. So we're concerned to make sure that uh, organisations put in the optimal level of support to make sure that um, 
people are thinking, just are, are, are being thoughtful about what they're expecting trainees to do. That we think about, you know, are you wide awake enough at the end of a shift to go on and do other work or to drive home safely? Could we think about being creative in the way that we support you? Could we be thoughtful about making sure that there are safe uh, and adequate um, facilities on site for people to have uh, rest. So we're looking forward to uh, launching that. I'm certainly personally very committed uh, that we uh, disseminate that to all the people you know who can influence this, influence change um, throughout um, our NHS organisations. Thank you. And another area of stress for trainees um, is exams. Um, so even after medical school, we have more exams to be part of a member of the Royal Colleges. Um, so what would you say and how would you advise trainees um, to deal with exams and exam stress? So what I'd say is that in my experience, by the time you get to end of medical school and certainly um, into core training, actually, um, you're all really expert at passing exams. You wouldn't be here if you, if you weren't. You've been doing exams and doing them exceedingly well uh, since probably early uh, teenage uh, years. Um, I, I guess the difference uh, with with psychiatry clinical exams, you know that 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 is uh, unique, and people won't have done that uh, before. But certainly with the written papers and MC multiple choice questions and so on, um, you already have the the study skills, uh, the focus, the drive, and the determination um, to do that and to do that very well. You know the key for for all of these things is preparation. Um, getting together in study groups that certainly helped me through my exams I'm still in touch with the people that I work towards membership with um, uh, longer than I care to remember uh, ago um, with the CASC exam so that's the, um, the the final clinical exam that our trainees do at the end of their uh, third year of training the um, uh, assessment of skill clinical assessment of skills and competency takes a, a, an OSCE um, format um, based with uh, simulated patients so these are all um, actors uh, and uh, seven minute stations where trainees have to uh, complete a, a, a task reading the question it's always really important uh, that's quite often where um, people uh, go wrong is, is going off task and really focusing on on developing excellent communication skills early on in training uh, because you know our, our, our profession our, our specialty depends on being excellent um, uh, communicator um, but what I always say to trainees because sometimes exam nerves gets in the way particularly if people feel that they're being um, observed uh, and my sort of strategy for helping trainees get through the exam is to, is to talk about the Yerkes Dodson curve of anxiety and performance so we all need some anxiety to uh, to be in the zone to be able to perform um, optimally so let anxiety uh, be your friend in that situation learn techniques for focusing you know when your anxiety is overshooting getting back in that uh, zone um, but the other thing that I always say to trainees is well you know can you do these sorts of tasks in uh, emergency department in the middle of the night when you're on call and they usually say well yes and I say well can you put um, patients needs ahead of your own uh, and they usually say yes 
And I said, well, that's what the examiner is looking for. Can you get overcome your anxiety so that in the moment, in the exam, that simulated patient has become a real patient and you can demonstrate what you do day in, day out uh, on call? Uh, and I think reframing it like that uh, quite often uh, helps. Thank you. So thinking about some cases that have been in the media recently, um, I'm wondering if listeners are, are perhaps concerned that this has had a damaging effect on staff morale for those working in the NHS, and I wondered what your thoughts were on that. Well, I guess the the problem always is that we don't, um, you know, we don't hit the headlines with all the successes. Uh, you know, that's never going to to grab uh, news. And I think, you know, for those of us who've been in the profession for a long time, uh, those difficult stories uh, you get used to and there's always a sort of sense that well that could happen um, but the vast majority of our experience day in day out is very positive uh, stories and um, you know I think we, we you know we are well supported as a profession um, certainly at consultant level we have to be part of a peer group for continuing professional development. I have to say that I, I count that as my professional oxygen. I get to meet with very close, trusted peers once a month for, for peer supervision. Um, so we develop our own um, support mechanisms. Um, uh, and you know, uh, the, 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 there are ways of accessing support should you be really unlucky uh, and um, hit high profile um, media stories. Thank you ever so much for that. Um, so after all of that and talking about the stresses and difficulties that we might have in the profession, is there any fun in psychiatry? And where do you get the most of your job satisfaction? I think you've already mentioned that, but a little bit more on that, thank you. So fun, yes. So, um, you know, humour is a mature defence mechanism. That's one of the <coughs> great things about psychiatry is that's actually in our curriculum. You know, you, you learn <laughs> uh, in, in psychotherapy training, these kind of things. So. Um, being able to um, uh, spend time with multidisciplinary team, yes, there's loads of fun uh, in that. We work really closely together. We have a laugh uh, uh, appropriately um, behind the scenes. You know, your team help you get through all of this. Um, for me, the biggest buzz, the biggest enjoyment undoubtedly is um, seeing patients recover. Uh, that has to be uh, the, the absolute best bit. My second best bit is um, seeing trainees develop, progress, flourish. Um, and I think as Dean now, I'm having the pleasure and, and the fun and the excitement of actually being asked for my opinion and being able to influence um, policy at a strategic level. And that's great fun too. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about patience uh, and whatever you end up doing in psychiatry, that's something you get to do. Thanks for that, Kate. So um, personally, as well as um, seeing patients, one of the other areas that I'm very interested in um, psychiatry is, as I've mentioned, the links between psychiatry and the arts. And that was why um, I was one of the co-founders for this PsychArt initiative um, that I mentioned before. Um, I think it's just um, an amazing uh, opportunity that we have in psychiatry to be able to use art as part of the therapies, such as art and drama therapy for patients. 
um, also as a motivation for some people to just get better. That's the reason why they want to get out of hospital. Um, also for us as clinicians to gain some insight into somebody's mental state. Um, it's difficult to know what's going on in someone's mind sometimes, and this is, can be a really interesting insight into that. Um, and also importantly, our own expression of some of the challenging issues that are raised um, in our day-to-day -day work. Um, so in 2015, we started this project and we asked foundation year doctors to submit their artwork into a competition. And I was really just bowled over by the styles and the variety of different types of artwork being submitted. We had songs, poems, plays, sketches, you name it. Um, and it was really interesting to see the reasons why people had created this artwork. And our conference that we had was also very well received. We had lectures, workshops, performances, and a debate. And we found that 68% of attendees said they were more likely to apply to psychiatry after attending it. And we've been growing and growing each year, and we're going to be having another conference uh, this year in November. So um, finally, um, I wanted to talk to you about flexibility in the workplace as well, Kate, and um, career progression. And do you think it's possible to build an autonomous career, but also have flexibility if and when you need it? Yes. So, I mean, I look back at my own career and I consider myself very privileged to have been able to do all the things that I've been able to do within my, um, within my work life, but also, uh, you know, building uh, outside of work, um, connecting with my community, raising a family and, 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 and so on. And I, and I do truly feel uh, that I have been able to do all the things that I've uh, wanted to do and, 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 and had a, you know, a hugely privileged both professional and personal uh, life. Um, I think there's widespread recognition at the highest level um, that our current training uh, systems have not been as helpful as they could be and that they sometimes have got in the way for um, trainees. Um, I think what I'd say is although um, psychiatry trainees have the same uh, overall training structures uh, in terms of rules about being able to take time out of program and so on, um, psychiatrists generally really value uh, other experience and are very sympathetic uh, to people who want to develop as rounded human beings and do other things uh, in their life. So I think that trainees will always find uh, senior colleagues who will be w willing to encourage and support them, you know, achieve their, their, their own goals uh, in, in life. Um, and there are mechanisms for taking time out of training. There are mechanisms for taking out time out to do research, to have career breaks, um, uh, and to gain other uh, experience. So if anybody's listening and thinking, actually, what I'd really like to do is X, Y, Z, find somebody who could encourage you, who knows their way around the training systems, and go and talk to them to see whether that might be possible. Because at the end of the day, you know, we really welcome... Uh, people who are emotionally uh, mature and one of the ways of becoming emotionally uh, mature is to gain other experience in life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I myself have taken time out of training to do some work in medical education and look at medical leadership and management, so I can definitely speak from experience there. But thank you ever so much, um, Kate, for answering my questions today. And I hope that any of you listening out there, some of you might be encouraged to find out more about choosing psychiatry. Um, and you can look on the website, so the rcpsych.org. Um,
www.ac.uk website or follow Choose Psychiatry on Twitter and Facebook. And if you're interested in PsychArt and want to know more, you can um, follow us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, um, PsychArt18. And we've also got a website, psychart.co.uk. Thank you again. Thank you.